Hey, this is Thinking and Drinking. I'm your host, Bart Almond. Over the last 30 years or so, I've worked for major record companies, working with major artists such as Alabama, the Dixie Chicks, and Florida Georgia Line. I've also been writing songs for the past 15 years, have over 50 cuts, two number ones, and made a lot of friends along the way. I'm going to be talking to some of those friends about songs, life on the road, and just life in general. I hope you have as much fun as I will. Zach Selwyn is what I would call a redneck renaissance man. He's a writer, an actor, a TV host, musician, frontman, dad, husband, and a friend. Oh, and he's crazy, too. He's responsible for Brainchild on Netflix, America's Secret Slang on History Channel, G4's Attack of the Show, Around the Horn for ESPN, his band, Zachariah and the Lobos Riders, have put out six albums, and he just put out his first novel, Austin Translation. I'm tired just talking about him. As fate would have it, technology is great until it ain't. Zoom decided it was not our friend today. In fact, Zach ended up doing most of this in his car uh, until his phone overheated. Well, anyway, we did what we could. You can check Zach out at Zach Selwyn on Instagram, all one word, Z-A-C-H-S-E-L-W-Y-N, or Zach Selwyn on Facebook. Here's my chat with Zach Selwyn. Thinking and drinking, Zach Selwyn, how are you, man? Doing well, man. How you doing? I have, uh, I've rarely been better. I love it. How about that? I love it, man. I sure wish I was in. Na- Are you still in Nashville? Yeah. Yeah, 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 man. Out here at Disgraceland. I love it, man. <laughs> I'm talking to the man who wrote "Brand New Girlfriend." <laughs> yeah, only like 25 years ago. <laughs> love that song. I actually, I wrote a song and pitched it to a bunch of my friends in Nashville called "One Day Sober." I think you should take it and make it better. I like that. Yeah, it's just all about how the doctor's like, you got to slow down. And then he's just like, I went one day sober. But I realized quickly it was brand new girlfriend. Like I basically (laughs) ripped off your song. I got a brand new girlfriend. I was like, I went one day sober. I'm like, that's the same fucking song. Hey, man, Uh, it's country music. That happens all the time, right? Hey, take it, dude. Run with it. I love that. (laughs) So how's COVID treating you guys? Everybody's okay? So far, so good, man. Luckily, um, you know tough with the kids and all that doing the homeschool and shit like that because la is a disaster but yeah overall we're safe so no complaints you guys just staying around the homestead most of the time pretty much yeah pretty much a little bit not much outdoor dining though nothing like that yeah yeah well dude you were born in uh tucson arizona and uh, are you the only actor slash musician slash host slash writer slash dinner guest in your family? <laughs> <laughs> my brother's a musician. Is he really? Yeah, my brother's a direct. He's a film director and a musician. He's a great guitar player. Yeah. Oh, cool. So he's got a band, sort of like a bluegrass fusion jam band. That's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah. Well, so how did you get interested in this? Because, I mean, your interest, inter, interests, interest, interests, golly, are so varied. I mean, you've done freaking everything. Your bio reads like a, it's crazy with TV and records and podcasts and everything. I mean, how did all this start? You know what, man? I mean, I really came out to L.A. I was 18 and I moved out to L.A. wanting to be an actor and a writer. 
thinking, Hey, LA is where it's happening. Um, and started down that path. And when you're acting, you do different roles. And I started doing like some hosting stuff and that kind of led to a break in TV. And then once I got in the TV world, I was like, when I was, I guess in my early twenties, I was always like writing songs, but I never took it seriously. And then one day I just decided to like make an album and I made something that I thought was really good and everyone seemed to like it. And then that led to more breaks and like TV people would have me do music for stuff. And so it all just kind of like, I guess when you're in the entertainment business and you work long enough and you've been in the business for as long as I have, you just start to develop and follow everything you can to try to keep food on the table, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So well, it I mean, started like that, you know? So would you, so you would say, like, were you still, were you doing acting and stuff in Arizona before you moved to LA or, or writing songs and all that? Yeah. High school, I was like in plays and I was always dreaming of coming out here. Um, you know, but I had to, I went to college, I went to USC. So I, my parents were basically like, you're going to college. So, <clears throat> you know, I took those four years to just party my balls off, which was very <laughs> worth. <laughs> like you, and were. I really haven't stopped. I haven't stopped since then. <laughs> just, you're still, now you're just in the school of hard knocks. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're obviously good at this stuff, but what, what made you think you would be good at this stuff? What gave you the moxie to go out there and swing the entertainment bat? That's a good question. I think at a pretty young age, you know, going to summer camps and being in school and classes, I was always like aware of the enjoyment of making people laugh or getting attention, that sort of thing. And also, uh, <sighs> You know, I mean, I, I think like a lot of musicians and actors, there was probably an element of like, oh, girls respect people who do this. Right. You know, I want to I want to be on stage with the girls screaming my name. <laughs> but, you know, ultimately, I, I thought I wanted to have just my, you know, my, my sister's a doctor. She went the other way. Okay. So I want to go take a risk and do, follow what I love doing. Yeah. But I you knew don't... pretty like 13, 14 that I wanted to come out here and give it a shot. So what was like your first, first big break? Um, huh. I mean, for my career wise, like it was definitely getting on this show called dream job on ESPN. Right. I was 28 and it was like a American idol competition for finding sports center anchors across the country. And, uh, there was like 20,000 people who went out and I ended up being one of the guys who was the finalist and ended up like the runner up or whatever. And that was a lot of exposure back then. And it, it basically opened up a lot of doors, you know, yeah. for, for television work and for people paying attention to stuff I was doing. And I think at that point I was like, at first I was like, I don't know if I want to be known as like a sports host, but I quickly realized that, and I sort of, now you can see it everywhere. You know, I do so much stuff. I wanted to just open the doors to open and then I would prove what I was capable of doing, you know? Yeah. So, so that was a big, and then that led to more work and, you know, ultimately somehow I'm still luckily making a living in this business, which at my age, it's, uh, you know, it's no joke. <laughs> <laughs> you got somebody putting groceries in your car. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Impossible to find a peaceful space around this freaking part, this part of town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing show after show after show. And so you thought, well, I have a lot of free time. I'll start a band. So you got Zachariah and the Lobos Riders 
coming into fruition. And dude, you guys have done what five albums, six albums now? Yeah, yeah. Plus a I mean, soundtrack. Yeah. Whenever I make any money doing anything in my life, I put it into making songs. Yeah. It's like what I love doing, and you know, every once in a while something gets picked up and put on TV or streams a lot, and you know, but it's definitely a love and a passion of mine. Every time I kind of make an album, I think I'm probably done. That's it. That's the last thing I'll do. And then like a month later, I'm like, but this is a good song. Yeah. You know, it's just that passion that draws me back in. But, you know, I got into the music thing because honestly, this is ridiculous. But in college, I was like always, I was honestly battling people in freestyle rap challenges. Oh, I've that heard was, your rap. Yeah. Oh, well, that yes. was what I was known for in like my college and my fraternity and, and around <laughs> the school. Everyone was like, oh, this guy will rap about you. So it was like a party trick I used to do. And then one day when I was like in my early 20s, this dude saw me doing it at the Sky Bar, this kind of cheesy bar here in L.A. and was like, dude, I want to make a record with you. And I was like, what? And, you know, here I am, this little white Jewish kid from Arizona trying to make like a, a Fresh Prince kind of Will Smith entertainment rap album. It just sucked. And uh, but, you know, it opened the doors. And then then when I started sort of playing real country rock music i was like i want to combine these two elements and do like this hip-hop country thing because no one's ever done that before and that was sort of what i wanted to do and i did do but it just didn't really catch on back then it's kind of weird to watch how much hip-hop has influenced and, and infiltrated country music now yeah. to think that 20 years ago i was kind of ahead of the game yeah but you know what i mean like it's yeah. just everyone you don't have a feature by ludicrous it's like don't even put out a single bruh no kidding. No kidding. Yeah. So, um, so when you're writing these songs, are they an homage to like your favorite writers and artists, or is this just you being you, or is it a combination of the both? Depends. I mean, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of my songs come from listening to certain artists repeatedly and i'm like oh i just wrote a, so a song that sounds like steve earl and then yeah two weeks later i'll be listening to um jackson brown and write some like sensitive laurel canyon hippie you know <laughs> jilted lover song you know but yeah i definitely i don't know man where do you find the inspiration i just i don't know it's a weird thing it's yeah. just a weird Hard. I, I like what Willie Nelson said. He's like, I'm a vessel. He's like, I, I'm never done writing a song. He goes, I might start one, but maybe five years down the line, I'll figure out the rest of it. You know? Yeah. I have a lot of that. A lot of singing into my phone these days. You know what I mean? Like you walk around singing the hook in your yeah. phone. That sort yeah. of thing happened. Is that how you came up with the idea for League Night? <laughs> what was that? Was that did we write you, that? Yeah, about bowling. <laughs> <laughs> We wrote a song about bowling. How come that? <laughs> I remember there was something in there about a seven ten split that cracked right. me up so oh hard. <laughs> That's right. It's funny, man. All those years ago, so I, I think that was what two thousand seven. Yeah, I went out to like uh, a dream and my record, and I was like, I'm gonna be a songwriter. And I quickly realized how tricky that world is. I, I applaud you for that, <laughs> having that. I mean, it's. It's kind of like an actor moving to LA and thinking, oh, I'm just going to go out there and get on a show. No, I mean, you got to put in your time. Yeah. You got to write a thousand songs before you get something cut. And yeah, I was, uh, I, I should have just bought a house though back then. I remember looking at some places and 
now they're probably worth 10 times as much money. Dude. Well, do the other guys in the band write songs too, or is it just, is this just a vehicle for your vision? It's mainly me. I mean, my guys all play in different bands and they all write songs for their own stuff. But with the Lobos Riders, it's mainly been my stuff. Um, The first record was more of a co-write with, with Dan, the guitar player, you know, Dan, Mm -hmm. at least you met him all those years ago. Yeah. That was more of a Dan and Zach combo. Um, but you know, you get older and people have kids and it's hard to sit down and give yourself a session to, to come up with ideas. And mainly I, I write a song, I sing it into a phone, I send it to someone, I hopefully get a, a person to play something on it and then I'll sing it at my house and, you know, yeah. hope it's good. And there's you- so much I've put out that I just wanted to take down, but you know, I look at all artists, just something you throw away. Like you put it out there because you have to get it out there. And if, if you sit on it for too long, you lose all the momentum. Hey man, sometimes art hangs in the bathroom. Hey, that ain't a bad thing. It's still there. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you, when you write, cause you do so much comedy stuff and drama stuff and you wrote a novel, which we're going to get into. And I mean, how do you, when you come up with an idea, do you, does that idea go in one file in your brain or the other, like for a country song or a comedy bit or a comedy song or where, how do you file all that and keep it, keep it separated? I don't know, man. I sort of, (laughs) I don't know. It's like, I was trying to think of one of the last things I wrote. You'll love this. I wrote a song. You know the song WAP by Cardi B? and Yeah, yeah. I wrote a song called Honky Tonk WAP. (laughs) It's hysterical. And I actually have a demo going out. I think we're going to try to get it out to Nashville. But, like, I basically woke up at 6 in the morning, and I was like, oh, remember Honky Tonk Badonkadonk? That was a disaster. I'm like, let's do Honky Tonk WAP. Let's just update it for now, you know. And I just woke up and went to the kitchen and wrote it at, like, 7 in the morning. And then I sort of like let it sit. And then an hour later I went and demoed it and then didn't share it. And then like a few hours later I shared it with someone. And then like by the next day we were demoing it in the studio. So that's just an idea of sometimes things just happen. Yeah. And then sometimes I'm working on a song for a while and then I give up on it and then it comes back. So same with, with stories or comedy. Like I just write down the initial idea. You know, what do they say? Write drunk, edit sober. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that happens a lot. <laughs> well, how have you been recording stuff? Are you seriously just passing it around and everybody's doing it on their home studios or are you going to a studio or both? My last album I did in 2019, I did in a studio. Okay. And I felt like it took way too long. It wasn't streamlined. Trying to organize the time to get in there was killing me. Yeah. And ultimately I was like, if I can get someone to do drums and bass, I can play acoustic, sing, and then put bells and whistles on it. So I recorded my house and yeah, it's all digital, passing yeah. it around. Is that what you guys are doing? Like I feel like the gotta be like that. A lot of people are doing that. I mean, there you see I know some of my buddies are going into studios, but they're going they're setting everybody's rigs way back in corners and they're all masked up and everything. And and you know, I mean I mean everybody in the world's got a pro tools rig to do whatever they need to do. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure the drums are doing that live drums are doing that, but all the other instruments are amazing. Yeah. It's like the death of the studio, man. 
Yeah, I tell you, I cannot imagine some of these cats that own these massive basketball gymnasium sized <laughs> studios. They must just be pulling their hair out. Yeah, it's tough. Dude, they're that probably of going to a studio with a band and sitting there and focusing and making an album. That that'll never change, but just no one's doing that anymore. Yeah. At least not right now. Not right now. I wish they were. That's that's the, the funnest thing in the world, man, just to hear a so song great. come to live. I mean, you obviously know that. Yeah. Well, dude, can we chat about this? You got it. Heck yeah, man. Well, no. This is your new Did book, you read it? Austin Translation. Dude, I sat down literally <laughs> twice and read the whole thing. Really? Yep. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Yes, thank you so much dude i what a trip man i mean this book i put out basically i wrote it very quickly i went to austin in august for work because i work in this podcast company um as well as you like you're doing but we did a bit with kinky friedman the great texas jew boy and country singer and mystery novelist so I went out to Austin to meet with him and while I was there I met with the journalism department to discuss their true crime podcast which is all sort of mentioned in the book. Yeah. But when I was there, I was staying at this hip hotel. I was drinking my ass off. I was in a place that no one was locked down. The masks were optional. It was like being back in the real world for, for three days. And during yeah. that time, I was like, God, the world is moving out here in Texas. It certainly isn't in, in LA. So I was really inspired when I was there to just kind of like have adventures. And uh, I started reading Kinky's books one of his murder mysteries when I was there. And I was like, I'm going to write a murder mystery like him. And I really came back from Austin with this idea in my head about a podcaster, true crime podcaster who gets accused of murder and then has to solve the crime. And I wrote it very quickly and I sent it to Kinky and he was like, Hey Zach, uh, I'll read it, man, if I get to it. And then he called me like a week later. He goes, I really enjoyed your manuscript. It was fucking great. I'm like, really? So that was amazing that Kinky Friedman actually sat down and read my book and then kind of gave yeah. me validation if it was good or not. And then, you know, I just put it out. I mean, it's definitely a self-published thing, but I think it could be more than that. Again, this is just like music. I didn't want to go out shopping a deal. I didn't want to try to wait because the whole subject matter takes place in 2020 during COVID. Yeah. And I, if I went out and tried to get something going with this, this might not come out till 2022. And at that point, people are going to be sick of this whole thing, you know? They already are already. So, dude, you sent. Uh, you've got you got Kinky to do the forward. <laughs> this is the yeah. best forward of all time. When Zach Salwin sent me this manuscript, I told him it would probably be the greatest novel I'll ever pretend to read. <laughs> 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 and then he just goes on and just man, uh, golly, you can tell that he's either uh, completely BSing you or he loved it. I love this in here. My only concern is that this book may encourage even more humorless, constipated, tedious Californians to move to Texas. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, so great. what a trip. His ranch, you know, we went to Mexican food out in Kerrville, Texas, middle of like this wine country area that I never knew existed. It was a bizarre but amazing experience. And then, yeah, he wrote the foreword. So is there any of the protagonist Robert Stoner in you? I mean, do you, do you hate hipster hotels, flat brimmed $500 hats and too many turquoise rings? 
I mean, as a man who's very guilty of wearing turquoise rings and flat hats all the time, I mean, and I actually do like the hipster hotels. It just sort of became this character I wanted to portray, a little bitter middle-aged ex-musician who was more so looking at the young hipster types and recognizing what he used to be. Yeah. So I think that was kind of the idea, because in the character's a musician who almost made it but didn't, and then is now dealing with these kids who, you know, dress like he used to dress. I mean, look, I mean, honestly, 15 years ago, it's a little get off my lawn, but <laughs> you know, when I was sitting there on the, uh, in Nashville with my, my country rap stuff and uh, no one was giving me the time of day. And then you start to see little Nas X break the record for streams in one song. Crazy, and man. Kind of, well, well, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> You know, not necessarily. It's just more like, how come that didn't happen for me? And as Kinky Friedman said, when I discussed this with him, he goes, Zach, you're going to be a lot like me. Ahead of your time, but behind on your rent. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was like, yeah, that sounds uh-huh. about right. Well, I mean, it's, it's insane. We did, uh, oh, shoot, I can't even think of his name. Oh, it doesn't matter. We did two years of touring with FGL that had a rap guy out with him. I cannot think of his name to save my life. He's from St. Louis. He was a great. Nelly. Who? Nelly. Nelly. Yep. And he was. He's in the cruise, right? Yeah. Dude. And he was great. And his crew was so sweet, man. They were so much fun. But you're right, man. Every. Six five cowboy out there with a denim shirt and a cowboy hat on was sing along with every freaking Nelly song and dancing with his girl man and it was just like you were right you were amazing <laughs> did you go on tour with Florida Georgia Line yeah for two years oh my god I didn't even know that you were their guitar player no I was working with the record company with uh, Big Loud was- oh I didn't know you worked for them yeah that's Holland's company huh yeah. Oh boy! Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure how that's gonna flesh out in the end. Between, I, love, I know, man. I, what a shame. Yeah, it is. It, it's. I mean, you know what? This is a, a great time for our country to exhibit a little forgiveness, and I'm sure people are gonna say they already have, and and they already have. You know, I mean, crap, man. Stupid stuff happens. At least he's not Army Hammer and talking about being a cannibal. Symbolizing and seriously, what the hell's going on in this world? <laughs> I, know. I don't know if COVID is is just making people so insane or what. So when you're writing your book, man, how do you tell your kids when you're in your <laughs> office with your feet on the desk and your eyes closed? No, 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 no. Daddy's working. Daddy's working. How do you get well at this point my kids are 14 and 11 and very much capable of handling okay. their own. Yeah, it's not like I have a six-year-old and I have to be there all the time anymore, which has been really interesting having, you know, in L.A., I guess I had kids late, but, you know, it's young. It's young here in L.A., but, like, in Tennessee or the rest of the country, most people have, at my age, have 20-year-old kids. So, yeah, having this freedom back is amazing. (laughs) But I basically, at night, would sit there. They'd be playing video games or watching TV, and I would just be sort of with a bottle of wine sitting at my counter writing. Right. No one really bothered me that much. I can't One believe point, your kids are that old, man. I know, man. 14 and 11. 
What are they doing during all this stuff? I mean, can, they can't uh, go play uh, with their friends, right? <sighs> kind I of? mean, we like outdoor park hangs once in a while, but yeah. a lot of video game. My kid's just a gamer, PC gamer. He yeah. used to play basketball. That. Now he's just kind of doing that with his buddies. That's how they communicate. My daughter, we sort of have like a pod. It's like she's got some friends that she sees and goes to the beach and stuff, but it's been tough. It's especially tough on the 14 year old because high school, you know, like freshman year of high school, you want to be like yeah. away from parents as much as possible. At least I did. Yeah. You know, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about podcasting stuff and you are working with a company. It's called Audio Up Media, correct? Sure. What are you doing for them? Audio Up's a very cool, interesting company, and I'm sure a lot of the people we work with, you might even know, but this company was started by a guy named Jared Gutstadt, who started a company called Jingle Punks, which okay. was a jingle. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but they would like, you know, if you needed a song that sounded like Beast of Burden by the Rolling Stones, but you couldn't afford Beast of Burden for your TV show, you go to the jingle player and you find something similar. Right. He owned this million song catalog of sound alike music and jingles. And, and he sold this company and started this podcast company. And the company basically is based in, in like a musical scripted form. So we have record deals with certain bands that we're trying to break through scripted podcasts. So okay. like Warner Nashville has an, an artist called uncle drank. Who's like a total seventies, eighties, throwback, bro country beach singer who has funny songs like whatever don't to kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> and we have an eight episode series and every episode we launch a song. So it's a unique new way of sort of launching bands through the podcast space. And at the same time we have, you know, we had a show with Rosanna Arquette. We have a show with Tom green. Like there's certain celebrity shows, but ultimately I think our main IP that we own is in the music and these songs that we're releasing alongside these podcasts. Mm -hmm. So I've been writing them and occasionally I do voices in the scripted ones. I do a lot of voices and then I direct it and produce them as well. Dang. That's keeping you busy. It's keeping me busy, but it's tricky, man, because you know, the podcast world is forever changing and people still don't really understand the model or or how it's going to make money. And, there's been a lot of people who have tried to do what we do. The difference that we have is that we have this musical angle. Yeah. And everyone we work with, do you know John and Gracia by any chance? Man, that name sounds familiar. I'm not, I don't know. Yeah. He's like a long time record guy out there. I'm sure you've crossed paths with him, but hmm. I don't know. Yeah. We tried to do some stuff with FGL. Like we've reached out to a lot of those guys. It's kind of, people don't understand, understand yeah. it yet. You know, our biggest success so far has been these young rapper kids, these SoundCloud rappers like Ian Dior and Machine Gun Kelly and Oh yeah. Them and, and you know, they're the ones who have been coming on board because they know nowadays you have to do every single thing to break through. Yeah. The days that you and I grew up with are you know. Dude, anymore if you want a record deal, you gotta have a million followers on TikTok and Instagram and everything else, man. It's and you have to have your record already recorded and ready yeah. to go. <laughs> Golly, yeah, it's nuts, done, man. They're not putting any money into making another one. No, no. Oh, God, that's a crazy world, man. This just sucks that so many people, you know, in our generation, dreamt of like 
the rock and roll life. You grow up worshiping it. I mean, it's the same. Every business just changes to technology. You know, there's there's nothing you can really do about it, but just sit back and watch it and say, hey, once there were blacksmiths, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, like there were guys who were like killer blacksmiths who were like thought, oh, I'm a blacksmith. This is my life. I horse shoes or I shoe horse. I shoe horses and make sure. Yeah. Doesn't have a horse for crying out loud. Yeah. Who doesn't have a horse? I'll be in business forever. I heard uh, Jerry Seinfeld say that the culture is liquid. It's not solid. It's liquid. You wake up tomorrow and the culture is in a different shape than it was yesterday. Interesting. And, and that's the truth. I mean, the music business. I mean, I was thinking the other day about coming to town, you know, from Nebraska and all I wanted to do was be on the same label that Dwight Yoakam was on and all that. And now you go, you go, you look around and you go, where did music row go, man? You know, it's, it's, it's crazy that, you know, and plus, like you're saying, you can, you can make a record in your house. No doubt. I mean, there were people who made a shitload of money producing records. Like you were the go-to producer you were the go-to studio session guitar player. None of that's, I don't know, man. It's, it's hard. It's hard to watch. That's why I do like this podcast thing because we're taking a new direction towards music and sort of showing people that you can still break a band maybe using this model. I mean, we haven't broken anyone yet, but yeah, I think, well, I mean, you know, one band we're working with is called hero. The band they're from Atlanta. They're awesome. Um, they're fucking awesome. They're like an eighties throwback rock band. And they were scheduled to play Coachella and Bonnaroo in 2020 and tour. And then the minute COVID hit, they were like, uh, now what? Back to driving Postmates. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So we sort of hooked up with these guys and we were like, let's tell your story via podcast. And so that's called Sonic Leap. That's got Anthony Anderson in it and uh, Trippy Red. I don't know if you know who that guy is, but uh -oh. he's a we're just going to be putting stuff like that out hopefully this year. I'll keep you updated on some of that stuff if you ever. Thanks, dude. I started listening to some of the true crime stuff that you thank in the book, The Most Notorious and Orange Tree. <laughs> dude, that Orange Tree thing is friggin'. <whistles> yeah. Isn't that crazy? I got to where they're inside the apartment, and I'm not, I won't give it away, but once they go inside the apartment and what they find and in what shape they find everything, and it's like, oh, man, this or is a, a daylight hours only one, man. Oh, big time. And so that, so that was a podcast that our company acquired, um, and the dude who was the head of journalism at UT Austin produced it. So he teaches like a podcasting class, and two of his students – we're like, hey, we want to do the Orange Tree story, and they did, and they put together that whole episode, wrote it, recorded it, edited it, and it was a huge success for them. Was it the two girls that are hosting yeah. the show? Okay, yeah, Isn't that yeah they do a really good job. Yeah, and I love Most Notorious, man. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because like one or two that I listen to is like sometimes you can tell that the guys telling the stories are like history writers, and they're pretty dry. But the right. stories are amazing, man. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the writers on that show are a little boring. You're like, uh, all right. But yeah, some of it's, you know, every once in a while, every fourth episode, you're like, get 15 minutes in. You're like, yeah, I'm bored. But <laughs> most they, need, they need to have like Robin Williams and Jonathan Winters talking, telling <laughs> the story or something. <laughs> some of them, yeah. But that ain't going to happen. 
Well, dude, man, I know you're sitting in your car here. You want to uh, you want to do my lightning round real quick? Sure, let's do it. Drinking and drinking. I got water and coffee. That's all I got. Yeah, I'm, I had a nice tea earlier. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is just, I'm going to throw a question out there and you just answer as fast as you can or whatever. All right. What's your favorite book? Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. Oh, dude. I think I've read everything he's ever written. Oh, so good. Are you a bath or a shower guy? Huh. Shower. Nice. What's the last gift you gave someone? Herpy. Um. <laughs> Ah, that's a great question. Thank dude. you, Austin, Texas. <laughs> I mean, oh my god, I'm not much of a gift giver. Probably something to my daughter. Yeah, oh, I got my, a desk chair. How about that? That's a oh. COVID that ever was. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I bought a cactus for the living room. That's lovely. Doesn't need a lot of water. <laughs> what's the first concert you saw how old were you and did you get a t-shirt billy joel nice. 1984 i was nine no t-shirt great right. show tucson arizona great show what's the last movie you saw in a theater dear lord <laughs> probably like avengers Endgame, or something one of those comic book movies with my yeah. kids yeah What's your favorite song you ever worked with, worked on? That I wrote? wrote? Yeah. League Night with Bart Allman. <laughs> Freaking brilliant. <laughs> well, man, I know you got the, the family there. Uh, what's next for you, man? Hey, you know, I'm going to hopefully get this book to continue to grow. I really would like to see if I can take it somewhere, maybe option it, maybe try to turn it into something beyond just the book. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot to ask and, you know, it's a dream, but we'll see. And um, So that's that's kind of what I'm working on that and uh, podcasting and, you know, making another. Uh, and then I'm coming to visit you in Nashville. And we're going to hang out. Dude, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, dude, I will put your uh, your socials on the on the intro of this thing, and have a great time. Thank you so much, man. Dude, thank you, man. Thank you so much. I hope this was cool. Sorry about all the technological mishaps, but it's great. When I get back to Nashville, let's hang out. All right. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you so much. Much love, dude. Keep all those. Are those platinum records behind you? <laughs> yeah. Hell yep. yeah, dude. Platinum to the records. best guitar owner I I know. Platinum records and guitars. My fa- that's awesome. My favorite quote ever from Bart Allman. I'm the best guitar owner I know. <laughs> I've also been called guitar holder, which is pretty good. Guitar holder, yeah. <laughs> all right, love well, you, dude, Tell Amy hi and uh, to be continued, all right? And also, right. Um, write one day sober. Let me know if you can get something going with that. Okay, I love that. Let's cool, write man. it together. Why not? Okay, awesome. Thank you, Zach. All right, brother. Take it easy, Bart. Okay, bye-bye.